0: Hi, I'm Sam, and I'd like to welcome Charlie McCoy, a session guitarist and harmonica player who has played on countless records by Bob Dylan, Elvis, Simon & Garfunkel, Roy Orbison, and more. Welcome, Charlie. How are you today?
1: I'm very well, thanks.
0: So, what's your favorite instrument to play?
1: Harmonica. Without that, I never would have got in the doors of the studios here.
0: So, have have you always, like, loved harmonica?
1: I started when I was eight years old and uh, started guitar the same year. When I was a young teen, I kind of leaned on the guitar because that's when rock and roll hit the radio. You know, in in American radio before 1955, there was not much music for young people. But in 1955, a band called Bill Haley and the Comets had a record called Rock Around the Clock. And all of a sudden there was this, there were stations all over America changing their formats this new rock and roll music and that's when they came carl perkins fats domino elvis uh you know and i was uh i was all into guitar but then a couple years fast and i heard a harmonica record by a guy called jimmy reed and i said wait a minute that's a harmonica i have one of those i gotta learn to do that and it was best move i ever made
0: yeah well harmonica is certainly a neat instrument i i've talked to at least yeah i guess you're you're my second harmonica player in the The first guy really loved it too so uh, i don't know well
1: uh, my bill collectors love it too
0: (laughs) so as well as country and folk recordings you played with some legendary first generation rock and rollers including elvis johnny cash and jerry lee lewis what was that like
1: well it was great uh elvis was uh he was such a nice guy i mean uh we were a substitute band because the movie company changed the recording dates of the soundtrack and the guys that usually played with Elvis were already booked to the new dates, so they had to get a substitute band. Well, musicians in Nashville, no problem. They're they're everywhere. They're on every corner, so we, we went in a substitute band. Didn't know what to expect because he'd never worked with anybody else. He came in and went to each one of us, shook our hand, and said, thank you for helping me, and from that moment on, everything was relaxed, and we were we were really into it that was 1965
0: well you did lots of stuff with Elvis didn't you
1: i did uh, seven movie tracks and uh, and total uh, I'm, I'm on 13 albums by elvis
0: wow that that's pretty well that's really like amazing actually like elvis is one of those big guys you know i i don't know so if there's
1: the world will never know an artist that big again
0: i i certainly agree with you there i yeah. I, I recently watched the new Elvis movie. And I was just like taken aback. Like it, it was crazy. And it's incredible. You got to like play with him. Like what? That That's amazing.
1: Yeah, it was uh, in the studio and three times they took us to Los Angeles for soundtracks. And then uh, the other four soundtracks were done in Nashville. And then the regular recording was also done in Nashville where he had recorded most of his early music.
0: So as well as Elvis, you played on a bunch of Bob Dylan records. What was your experience working on those?
1: Well, uh, it was strange. Uh, he didn't know the answer to hello. Really? He didn't talk to us. Huh? He just played his songs, and that's about it. But we did this biggest album of his career, Blonde on no Blonde. We did uh, John Wesley Harding, uh, Nashville Skyline, and Self Portrait. And before that, I had played on one cut on one album with him before he came to Nashville in New York I played on the album called Highway 61 Revisited a song called Desolation Row.
0: Yeah, that was the song I first heard you from and can I yeah, say I you're playing guitar on it? Yeah, your guitar playing on that song was incredible. I I was listening sure. to the song and I I had to look up like I was like, "Wait, who who's playing guitar on this? Like that doesn't sound like Bob Dylan." And I saw your name and there you were. <laughs>
1: I I was I was uh, in New York and I called the Broadway, the producer of the record, because he had promised if I come to New York, he could get me Broadway theater tickets. So I called him and said, hey, I'm in town, how about my tickets? And he said, no problem. Hey, come over to Columbia Studio, I want you to meet Bob Dylan. So I went over there and uh, walked in, he introduced me and the first thing Dylan said was, why don't you get that other guitar with her and play along with us? And that was Desolation Row. It was a me and him and a bass player. And uh, the song was 11 minutes long. And uh, we did it once, listened to it once, did it another time, and the bass player had to leave. So that was it. And uh, the later, the following, early the following year, he came to Nashville.
0: Wow. So with all those albums and songs with Bob Dylan, you, you really never got to talk to him then?
1: No. He, he was he didn't have much to say at all.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting, you know, for a I guess the way he
1: <laughs> Well, uh, he was a strange guy.
0: Yeah, I guess the way he expresses himself is in the music, right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs>
1: a... I think so. I think so. I don't I don't know if he was just that shy. Now, Nashville was a new place for him, you know. He'd never been here before and uh, I th- I think uh he wasn't quite sure what was going to happen and what he was going to get when he came here, cuz Nashville had the reputation as only country music. Which is not true at all because uh, four of the biggest pop artists in the country did all their records there. Elvis, Everly Brothers, Orbison, and Brenda Lee. So there was pop music being cut in Nashville almost from the beginning, but no one ever really nobody ever talked about that. They talked about it. all they do there is country music.
0: Huh. Well, I, I was just about to mention, but you already said his name. how did you start working with Roy Orbison?
1: Uh well, uh so my first session was with a, a young singer from Sweden, and this is way before your time, but her name was Ann Margaret. She was in, uh, she ended up as an actress and she was in the, the movie Viva Las Vegas with Elvis. But when she came to town, she was only 20 years old and it was her first recording. And uh, I, I, w- I was taught, told later that her manager's idea was to start her as a recording artist and then try to move her into movies. It worked. But uh, anyway, that was my first session. And, and at the end of the session, the bass player walked over to me and said, are you free Friday? Hey, I was free the rest of my life, you know. <laughs> and I said, I said, yeah, I'm free. And he said, come back here. I'm recording recording Roy Orbison. Wow, I was a huge fan of Roy Orbison. Went back and we did a record called Candyman. And when the record hit the radio, my phone started ringing. And 61 years later, it's still ringing. <laughs>
0: So that album or that, that record was your breakthrough.
1: It really was because, uh, it hit the radio. I mean, it was all over the radio and people, were, people in Nashville are listening to the radio, you know, and they're here, they that?" like, who is that? And said, oh, this, it's this new guy in town, Charlie McCoy. And so I started getting calls and, uh, next thing you know, I'm playing on hit records and, uh, it was, it's been fantastic.
0: Well, it sounds certainly like an exciting life getting to play on all uh, those in- incredible songs and play with those great musicians.
1: Yeah, I can't even begin to describe how exciting it has been. And it still is.
0: Well, out of all those incredible sessions you've played on, do you have any favorites?
1: I have a couple favorites, so you probably don't recognize them. Uh, uh, George Jones was a big country artist in the 70s. He did a song called He Stopped Loving Her Today, which was a huge, huge hit, probably his biggest hit. That's That one, and then... Uh, there was a singer-songwriter named Tom T. Hall, and he did a record uh, called Old Dog's Children and Watermelon Wine. And those are probably my two favorite records I played on. But uh, there's been so many that have been fun. Uh, you know, and I've recorded with artists from England and France and Denmark and Sweden and Nor- uh, Denmark, uh, Japan even, recorded with Japanese artists. No, it's, it's been, been amazing
0: yeah well i mean it, it sounds amazing like all those incredible songs you must have played on like that that's nuts do you have any guess of like how many songs you have been recorded on
1: no uh i had one of the uh, musicians who had been around here who was already doing this when i came this was a guy that kept records i mean his records of every session he ever played on and he, he was doing this five years before I was, and uh, he told me, he said, I would suppose that you've, he said, I know how many sessions I've played on, and I would suppose you probably played on about 14,000. There was some years in, in the late 60s through the 70s, I was doing 400 sessions a year.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, when you're doing some of those sessions, can you ever tell when a song you're recording is gonna be like an instant hit?
1: You have a feeling. Sometimes, you know, uh, we played on the record with Roy Orbison, Pretty Woman, and everybody in the room, I could tell, we we're all looking at each other and smiling, and uh, I could tell everybody in the room thought it was going to be a hit. And uh, the song I mentioned, He Stopped Loving Her Today, George Jones, same thing. Everybody in the room was smiling, and, uh, you know, we I could tell it was a great feeling in there. And then there's some that you think, and... And no, it didn't happen.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, I guess that certainly happened with Pretty Woman. Like, that's a that's an incredible well, song.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then they put out a movie with the title and the song was playing in the movie. And, uh, you know, that's good because, uh, hey, when songs go to movies like that, we get paid again. <laughs> that's a nice thing.
0: Yes, it certainly is. Well, are there any artists out there that you really wish you could have recorded with?
1: Yes, uh, I'd like to record it with Allison Krauss, and she is amazing. Uh, And two country artists, Alan Jackson and the girl called Martina McBride. I'm big fans of their music. I'd love to record it with them, but hey, it didn't happen. So, you know, for every big star I've played with, I've probably played with 10 or 15 that you've never heard of. <laughs> yes, Nobody certainly. ever will hear of them. You know, we we don't. Somebody said to me, "Oh, you only work with big stars, don't you?" I said, "No, I work with anybody that calls me, as long as it's legal." You know, mm-hmm. and uh we don't we don't we don't try to choose, pick and choose. Because in Nashville, if the if the word gets around that you're starting to turn down sessions, they'll quit calling you. I mean, that's just the way it is. And now the there's so many musicians to choose from. You can. It's easy to do that now.
0: Mm, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's got to be certainly a competitive world uh, as a as a session player.
1: It is because you know, especially in Nashville. Well, in, in L.A. was the same way. They they have the band uh, the wrecking crew. Mm-hmm. The hits those guys played on it's incredible. The big difference is all their sessions have written arrangements, and in Nashville, all you get is a chord sheet. And we made we made up the arrangement on the spot, you know. Wow. And uh, that's what made Nashville different. And we're and we're we have a clock. We're in the union, you know. Three hour session is what we do here. Whereas places like Memphis, Muscle Shoals, Motown, there's no clock. They just they played forever, you know, if it took you that.
0: Well, you've gotta have some excellent musicianship to be able to just like improvise and come up with stuff like that.
1: You do, and the guys who learn to do it quickly get to work. Mm. The ones who don't, nope, doesn't happen.
0: Well, what advice would you have for someone looking to go into the music world?
1: Oh, it's a tough one, I tell you. I tell people the music business totally, whether it's a musician, a, like a touring musician or a session musician or a, or a singer, an artist. I say it's like bear hunting with a switch, and the bear's got the switch. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. A lot of it depends on who you meet, what the contacts are and whose idea it is that you could be a successful artist or a musician, you know, and, and, uh, some of the greatest talent in the world never gets discovered. It's sad that way, but that's just the way it is. You know, there's way too many people that want these jobs than there are jobs. Mm. So it's, it's a tough business.
0: It certainly seems like a tough business. Yeah. I mean, I've heard, um, and there, there was one guy I talked to who was specifically like into the, the whole idea of just like getting all the people, even if they're not known um, to be like heard. And I, I don't know. I think that's a cool concept.
1: It is a great concept. The problem is, uh, you know, it, and I don't know how it is. Well, it's probably this way everywhere. Uh, you know, the the big major record companies ran the business. And uh, as in the beginning in Nashville, a guy could almost walk in off the street and sing for people at a record company. But then it got corporate and, uh, you know, then it became a deal. Oh, have your people call my people. You know, it was like this real, uh, you know, don't, you, you, it may not, it probably won't happen, but you can try, you know. but And uh, so these are the kind of things you're up against. Another thing, too, about the record business is, even even before the Internet destroyed it, The record business is that we're making a product. We're trying to sell a product that people can live without. People need, they need food. They need to pay their rent, you know? They need to pay their bills, but they don't need to go buy records if they don't have the money. So for this business to be as successful as it has been is really, really great because it goes to show that what we were making, people loved it so much, whether they could afford it or not, they were going and buying it, you know? But now the internet's killed it. Uh, The cars don't even have CD players anymore. From 1916 or 2016 on, there are no CD players in cars. Mm. And so uh, people want one song at a time. And that's how the streaming thing started, you know, Spotify and whatever these other streaming services are. And uh, people go around hearing music on their phone. When we were young, you know, if your family bought a big stereo system, oh everybody was so excited but i don't know how many families even have stereos anymore
0: yeah Uh, so you think the uh the internet ruined well i guess not ruined but like tarnished music then
1: it changed the way it's promoted and and done uh you know you can you can still reach people like facebook and things Mm -hmm. like that but as far as the kind of sales that we used to have you know it's probably not going to happen you might get a lot of streams, but it's not going to happen unless, uh, unless you're Taylor Swift <laughs> or Garth Brooks, you know, you're probably not going to get any, get those kind of sales anymore.
0: Yeah. It's, it's really interesting, I guess, how the music industry and the, the business has like completely changed. It's
1: a- absolutely, it has changed. And, uh, you know, I was, I mean, I don't care much for the way it's changed, but like I said, I, I lived through the golden years and, uh, you know, and, I, and I, we still do a lot of studio work in this town. You know, there's still a lot of sessions being recorded. And the way they record here is with, with the whole band together. Whereas many people, now because the one plus for the internet is that uh, uh, like my wife and I live in Florida in the winter now. And I get work from up here on the internet. They'll send me a song and I go in a studio and play a part. And they send it back to them, which is a nice thing. But I prefer to be in the studio with all the other musicians. Mm-hmm. It's a whole, it's a whole lot more fun, and and I, I think it's really creative that way.
0: Yeah. Well, how would you have played Desolation Row if you if you weren't there in the studio, right?
1: Well, back then, true. I mean, I could have done it today. Mm-hmm. They could have sent me that today, and I could have played on it. But uh, no, no, I like it. I, I like the old way of doing it. You know, and and people always say. Ah, you old guys, you're just out of touch, you know? The world's leaving you behind. Yeah, but look what we're leaving behind. Those those records are still amazing. They're still popular. Take the artist. This is before everybody, even almost before about time. Hank Williams, the guy we lived to be 29 years old. The songs he wrote are still popular today. He died in 1953. You think of songs like, uh, you know, Mind Your Own Business, Jambalaya, those kind of old country songs. They're still popular today and there's not hardly any songwriters who have music that lasts that long, you know, so, but that's what I'm saying is that the time period, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, that's golden years, I'll tell you.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I certainly agree with you on that front. I I do, (laughs) I do appreciate uh, a lot of, a lot of songs from the 60s, 70s, you know, that's, I I really love that, uh, that time period of music.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yep. So you have a radio session at your school?
0: I do. That's where I am right now. Um I'm at Mercer Island High School. Um we our, our station is KMIH 889 The Bridge. Yeah. All
1: right. Where where are you in California?
0: I'm in Washington, like right right oh, by Washington Seattle. Oh, Yep.
1: Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Not DC. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Okay, I understand.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. You know, there, there aren't too many high schoolers these days that are interested in, uh, you know, music that, yeah, like, like, like the stuff you've played on. And I, I certainly, I'm really interested in it and I'm, I'm capitalizing on that. You know, like I I always find it so fun to talk to you and like people like you to hear all about this.
1: Is it FM?
0: It is FM.
1: Okay. Yeah. Cool.
0: Well, I've been meaning to ask you: How much practice do you get in, like your instruments, per day?
1: I don't practice anymore. The only time I practice is if I'm working on a new album and I'm working on new songs. I'll oh. sit around and play those songs some, but no. I, after all these years, I know I know what I can do and what I can't. Mm-hmm. So now if i I play a lot. I play guitar around the house and I play the piano and uh but as far as harmonica uh I, I play enough all the time you know mm-hmm. i'm a member of the grand Ole opry and we're doing eight christmas shows this season Ooh. and uh so i play i play enough uh and something i want to work on I, you know i I've got my box in here, and I just pull it out and work on it. But for the most part, no.
0: Well, all right, yeah. How many instruments do you play then? That's like piano, guitar, harmonica. That's three already.
1: Uh, bass. I played bass on uh, John Wesley Harding, Nashville Skyline, and Self Portrait. Mm. Uh, I play uh percussion like. Vibraphone, you know, vibraphone. We call them vibes. <laughs> it looks like a marimba, only the bars are metal, and and underneath them there's a fan that turns, which gives them a vibrato effect. Oh. And the speed, the the vibrato, you can adjust the speed, and then of course, you know, if you can do that, you can also play some on a marimba. I, I'll play some marimba. I played trumpet on "Everybody Must Get Stoned," Dylan. Mm-hmm. I played uh, baritone saxophone on "Pretty Woman." Just two notes but mm. it worked <laughs> and uh organ organ I played organ on some several records and yeah so it's I'm known here as a utility man mm-hmm. so you can your harmonica is my main thing
0: yeah well that that's crazy I mean that many instruments that's that's certainly something i I played well,
1: it, I have a I was born with a great ear uh, and I have a lot of music education mm-hmm. which I, it's easier to apply to things when you've got you know, and, uh, I like the instruments. I, I just, I think it's fun to mess around with them, you know? And, uh, uh, so yeah, it's been great. But like I said, that harmonica was my ticket.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's certainly a, a, a great instrument and thank yeah. thank you so much for talking to me, Charlie. Yeah.
1: Well, listen, uh, i I appreciate when young people love music and they, you know, and they can look back and hear the great music of the past and appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, I certainly enjoy doing that myself.
1: All right. Great. Yeah. Well, it was great to talk
0: to you. It was great talking to you, Charlie. Thank you so much. I'm Sam, and that was an interview with Charlie McCoy, a harmonica session player from Nashville who played on albums by Bob Dylan, Elvis, and so many more. If you enjoyed that interview, make sure to check out my back pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcast platform to listen to many more great interviews just like this one.